This is KMTT, and this is Ezubit. Today is Wednesday. Today's shiur will be given by Rabbi Namin Taboi in the weekly series called the Weekly Mitzvah. Today's Mitzvah is from Pashat Vayachi. The shiur will be exactly 31 minutes. When the shiur is over, I will be back with a Halakha Yomi. In Parashat Vayichi, Yaakov gives the brachot to the sons of Yosef, and each one gets his individual bracha. Each one got his unique, special bracha. Zvulun was told, He will live by the seashore. He's going to be involved in business. Whereas his brother Yisachar is called a Chamor Gorem, someone who is like an animal, working very hard. Rashi explains that Zvulun was involved in prakmatia. Zvulun was involved in business, whereas Yisachar was involved in learning Torah. But not only did they have two separate functions, they actually merged into one. Rashi quotes the Medrash, Hayat Zvulun osek v'pakmatia u'mamtsi mazon l'shevet Yisachan v'hem oskim b'Torah. Zvulun was the financier who worked in business, but he used to support the shevet of Yisachar who learned Torah. And Rashi further adds, this is referred to by Moshe in when he gave his brachot in Parashat Vezot HaBracha Moshe said Smach Zvulun B'Yitzaytecha V'Yitzacha Bo'olecha Zvulun, be happy when you go out the assumption is he goes out into the market he goes out into the world he does business V'Yitzacha Bo'olecha V'Yitzacha should also be happy in his ohel, in his tent in his world of Torah Oholash Torah the tent of Torah this partnership between Yisachar and Zvulun seems to be an agadic concept that it's a very nice idea that Zvulun and Yisachar somehow had this partnership. It's interesting that the Tur and the Shulchan Aruch both quote such an arrangement. However, they quote it a little bit differently. The Tur says in Siman Reishmen Bet, Yoredea Siman Reishmen Vav, Sticha, Everyone is required to learn. No matter who you are. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're healthy, whether you're ill, whether you're young, whether you're old. He adds, Even a poor man who cannot afford much, but yet he has to take time to learn. A person who is involved with Parnassa, a person who has a family. Everybody must have a specific time to learn Torah. Both in day and night. The, the tour then says, If someone cannot learn, he simply does not know at all anything about learning, he does not have to learn. 
or someone who is too busy. Just, he cannot find time to learn. So the tour says, He should support other people who do, do learn. This support of other people is considered as if he actually learned himself. And he quotes our Medrash, K'moshe Darshu Chazal, B'pasuk S'mach Zavulun B'tzeitecha B'yusachah B'alecha. As is quoted by Chazal in our Medrash, that Zvulun and Yisachar son our partners. The Shulchan Aruch also quotes this Halacha, but he quotes it a little differently than the Torah did. The Shulchan Aruch, Siman Reish Memvav, says, Mishi, this is a direct quote from the tour, but it's only part of the quote. The, the Shulchan Aruch said, if you can't learn, then you should give other people support, enable them to learn. But he's missing those extra words that the, Shulchan, that the tour wrote, It's as if he learned by himself. However, the Ramah does add those words. Apparently the Mechaber, the Shulchan Aruch, left it out on purpose. The Tur quoted, said, The Shulchan Aruch left out those words, and the Ramah added them. And then the Ramah goes on to say, a person is allowed to stipulate with his friend that he will learn. And his friend will sustain him, will support him while he's learning. And they split the reward. Yachalok imo b'sachar. The Gra on the spot points out that the Ramah is based on our Medrash. That we see that Yisachar and Zvulun had such a partnership apparently it's not just an Agadic statement, it's a source in Halakha to tell us that the mitzvah of Tamu Torah should be done by a person himself, but a person who can't do it, or he has no time, or he's incapable of doing it, can achieve the same sachar as Limut Torah if he makes a t'nai. It's noted that in the, Shulchan, in the Ramah, it says, V'yachol adam latnotim chaviro. Apparently you need to stipulate beforehand that you will do this. The Vilna Gaon quotes another, a number of other sources that show the importance of supporting Torah, but not just Agadic statements to say that it's a good idea to support Torah. Torah needs support, but the Torah says, the Grah quotes, P'sukim eitzchayim hilamachazikim ba. The people that support Lemachazikimba. It's an Ephraim. It's a tree of life, not just for those that learn Torah, for those that support Torah. If the Torah had said, if the Pasuk and Tanakh had said, Ephraimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
But the Pasuk uses the, the word Lamachazikimba, those that support Torah. So it seems that this source would also hint at the fact that there can be a partnership like Yisachar and Zvulun. B'tzel ha-chokmah, b'tzel ha-kesef. Somehow the kesef and the chokmah merge together. The Gra explains the name of the Medrash, Atida Kadosh Baruchu Lasot Sel V'chupar Lebalei HaMitzvot. The reward, the chupah, the special, uh, some sort of a canopy that's given to the person who is involved in the mitzvah is the Bnei Torah and the Tzel HaKesef, those that have supported Torah. Shimon Achiazaria, the Gemara mentions, the Gra quotes it here, that Shimon, the brother of Azaria, who was greater, Shimon or Azaria? But the Gemara mentions them equally to show that one supported the other and they received the same reward. However, the Ramah adds one more important caveat. This tonight that can be done before a person learns Torah, before a person begins to study, it's actually a tonight that's acceptable to share the rewards of your business, share the rewards of the others learning Torah. It's acceptable arrangement. However, the Shulchan Aruch rules that this is only when you do this before you learn. The stipulation is made before the person learns. Aval in kvar asak Torah, a person who already learned Torah, eno yacholim mamon But a person who already has learned, he has no right to sell his share for money that a person will be paid after the fact. The Gra again points to a Gemara in Masechus Sota, Dafchaf Aleph. The Gemara tells a story about Hillel and Shevna. Hillel and Shevna, Achayave. They were brothers. Hillel Asak Batorah, Shevna Asak Avad Iska. Hillel learned Torah. Now we have to remember that Hillel learned Torah and the legends of Hillel's poverty are well known. Hillel learned Torah in utter, utter poverty. He, he literally had nothing to eat. No arrangement had been made with him. Hillel had learned, and Shevna did business. Lesof, the Gemara points out carefully, Lesof, at the end, at, after a certain period of time, Amalei Tanarov Viniflok. Let's join together, let's pool our resources and share. Yastabat kol v'amra. The heavenly voice came out. Im yitain ish et kol hom beito, boz if a person will pay, no matter what he pays, he should be shamed. Who should be shamed? Obviously, the Gemara refers to Hillel. Now, it's interesting that Hillel was so poor, literally, he had no clothes to wear, he was freezing, he had nothing to eat. Now comes a time when he could put himself in a normal situation. But the Gemara says, after he learned... He cannot do this. It would be a, some sort of a shame or disgrace. 
on the other hand, before he went to learn, assuming that from now on he remained poor, Hillel could, uh, could have accepted this money. It's only after you learn that you can't make this arrangement. Now, I'd like to analyze a little bit what does this mean, this arrangement. The Dinah Tzedakah means that anybody who needs help is allowed to take Tzedakah, and obviously there's a chiyuv on people to give Tzedakah. Tzedakah is mentioned in the Rambam in Hilchot Matnot and the Yim, that this is a sign of B'nai Yisrael, this is one of the traits of B'nai Yisrael. The Rambam uses very poignant words, We're all brothers, we're all children to God. Therefore, since Klai Yisrael are all, are all children of God, therefore we're all brothers. And obviously, one brother should have some sort of compassion, mercy, love for his brother, and support him when necessary. So, obviously, supporting Torah is a great mitzvah. Is this what we're talking about? That it's a law in Hilchot Staka that a person should give money or to to people that learn Torah, but moreover, a person could make such an arrangement and not only give tzedakah, but receive the reward for learning Torah. Apparently, this is not found in the laws of tzedakah. The Rambam did not quote this at all. We'll discuss that later. However, both the Shulchan Aruch and the Tur quoted this in Hilchot Torah. Apparently, it's a halacha in Hilchot Torah that a person can make such an arrangement it would be questionable whether a person who made such an arrangement, let's say a businessman makes $100,000 a year, and there's a Tamit Chacham, Baal Mishpacha, who wants to learn the whole time. So they make an arrangement, let's assume the arrangement is really 50-50. The Tamit Chacham is going to get $50,000, learn Torah full-time, and the businessman who actually earns $100,000 is going to give the poor man the Tamid Chacham is going to give him $50,000. Does the rich man, the Balabayit, does he have to give tzedakah? On one hand, he gave already half of his earnings. He gave much more than Maaseh Ksafim. He gave much more than one-tenth of his, of his uh, possessions, of his uh, earnings. The halacha is that you have to give Maaseh Ksafim. In fact, we have a, a limit that a person, the Gemara says, you shouldn't give more than 20% of, of your money for tzedakah. Is this Arrangement part of staka, it seems that it's not. It seems that a, the poor, the rich man is making a business deal. He's buying ki'ilu. He's buying the reward for learning Torah. He's sharing in the Torah of the other. It's a business arrangement. So then, for this year, he probably would have to say that he only made fifty thousand dollars. But on that fifty thousand dollars, I assume he would have to give normal staka. This is not to be considered staka. This is to be considered a share of the chasam Torah. The Rambam does not quote this case at all. The Rambam never, to the best of my knowledge, relates to the Agadic statement, which he perhaps interpreted as an Agadic statement, of the Medrash that Yisachar and Zvulun made a deal together. The Rambam is very vociferous about accepting money for studying Torah. The Rambam says in Tarek Gimel of Hilchus Tamu Torah, Everybody 
the Gorm Ra'alatma of Natal Chayav Menolamaba, Lefisha Osir Lehenos Vidibetor Balamaze. The Rabbin thinks, says that anyone who thinks that he can learn Torah and he won't have to work and he'll take suck. The Rambam says this is a chilasha, it's a disgrace of God, it's a shame bizata Torah, it's a shame a disgrace to Torah. The light of the dat, the light of the Jewish religion, seems to be diminished. The garam ra'alat he causes pain and trouble to himself. He's removing himself from the world to come. A person is not allowed to get benefit from Torah in this world. The Rambam amplifies this point in his Mishnah and Pirkei Avot. In the Mishnah, don't make Torah into a, a tool that you use to, for your own financial benefit. So it would seem logical that the Rambam would not accept this idea of Yisachar Zvulun. At least it's not mentioned in the Rambam. One could argue that even according to the Rambam, this arrangement could be done. It would only be when a person takes tzaka. But this is not really considered tzaka. This is really considered a business arrangement. One theoretically could argue that the Rambam would agree to this arrangement. However, there's no hint of this in the Rambam himself. In the Rambam, it seems to be that he would be opposed to the idea. The Kesef Mishnah, Rav Yosef Cairo, on the Rambam, goes into a lengthy discussion to explain why it's true that he is in favor of who need to be supported, he's in favor of their receiving support. And he claims that in the generations in which we live that it's very difficult to continue learning and grow and become a Tamit Chacham, it would seem that perhaps even the Rambam would realize that in today's generation the situation is different. And he adds by saying if we're not sure, really, look at the custom. We have seen that Chachma Yisrael do, before and after the Rambam, do take money from the community. He says, perhaps it's based on the concept of Eit La'asat La'ashem Perhaps it's based on the concept that Torah would not succeed, we would not be able to produce Tamini Chachamim if not for the possibility of public support. In any case, the Rambam never quotes this halacha. And it seems to be that he would not agree to the concept. If a person does give tzaka for the Lachzakata Torah, I would assume the Rambam would also think it's a kiyum of tzaka. But to make this arrangement probably would be, according to the Rambam, just a law of staka. It wouldn't be a locha, as we said in the Shulchan Aruch or in the Russian of the tour, that it's a team of Tamar Torah. Another reason why the Rambam might not agree to this halacha is because the Rambam is very emphatic that 
Everybody should learn Torah. Every single person should learn Torah. The Rambam says it makes no difference who you are, what the situation is, how poor you are, how rich you are, how busy you are. Everyone must learn Torah. In fact, the Rambam quotes the Gemara that uses examples of people who showed how you can learn Torah even in very difficult situations. As we were talking about Hillel, who learned Torah, and then at the end, according to the Gemara, seems to have been willing to sell it until the Gebatskal came out and said you shouldn't do it. The, even Hillel is an example, a paragon of virtue, that if a poor man comes and says, look, I was too busy working, I had to work, and I, I, I was poor, I had to go around asking for charity, I, all kinds of problems he had, simply because he's poor, Hillel will be the one who will be the prosecuting attorney to say that I did it while I was so involved in Torah that I had no way of making a living and yet I did it anyway. So the Rambam feels that everyone should learn Torah. The question would, could be asked, according to the Shulchan Aruch, that a person could make this arrangement, does it really imply that he need not learn at all? The person who supports Torah, who gives money to a Tamid Chacham, and therefore gets the reward for learning Torah, a split of the reward. Would that be possible to say that he doesn't have to learn at all? Rav Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva that's printed in Igrot Moshe Chelek Dalit, Yaredea Chelek Dalit, with a long essay about this topic. He gives all kinds of guidelines to people who really do want to make such an arrangement. But According to the Rambam, for sure, and according to the concept that everybody must know Torah, this would simply not excuse a person from learning Torah at all. It would only mean that he does share in the reward of a person who learns full-time. But apparently the person who is supporting Torah would still have to learn Torah at least sometimes. Interestingly enough, is this a good idea for a Tamid Chacham to do? According to the Rambam, we said it doesn't seem to be a good idea. Whereas according to the Shulchan Aruch, it doesn't explain the role of the Tamid Chacham in this issue. The Tamid Chacham is actually giving up reward for a mitzvah. We saw that after you learn Torah, you cannot give it away at all. But before you learn Torah, is it a good idea to give up your reward for learning Torah. There's a famous story about the Vilna Gaon. I have no source to prove that this is an accurate story, but the story is told that one year the Vilna Gaon did not find an esrog. In Europe, the climate was such that in circus time it's very difficult to find vegetation, and they simply could not get an esrog. And the two students of the Gra were very, very concerned that the Arab did not have an esrog. They went on a trip all over Europe to see whether they can find an esrog someplace. They finally heard that there was this uh, farmer someplace who had a beautiful esrog. They went to see the esrog, they went to see the farmer, and they found that he really had a beautiful esrog, and they asked him to sell it. So he said, I'm a farmer, it's true that I'm not a tamid chacham, but I also am a from person, I want to fulfill the mitzvah myself. So they kept raising the price and saying, we'll pay you more and give you more, and he refused. 
Eventually they told him, you know, this Esrog is for the Vilna Gaon. The Kavanah, the, the way the Vilna Gaon fulfills this mitzvah is unbelievable. You're only a very simple person. You'll fulfill the mitzvah in a, in a simple manner. The Vilna Gaon will fulfill, it, will fulfill this mitzvah in a greater manner. So, uh, sell it to the Vilna Gaon. The farmer allegedly replied, I will give it to the Vilna Gaon as a present on one condition. The condition is that I get the reward that he does for this mitzvah. The students agreed they felt they had no choice. They came back to the Vilna Gaon, they brought in the Esrog, and the Vilna Gaon said, this is really a beautiful Esrog, how much did it cost? The Talmudim said it cost a lot, a lot. So the girl said, oh, good, I don't mind, what did it cost? I'll pay whatever it is. Finally, they had to admit that they gave away the reward of the mitzvah. They gave the Vilna Gaon's reward to the farmer. The Vilna Gaon reportedly said, Baruch Hashem, I'm very happy. I always learned Torah, I always fulfilled mitzvahs, and I always was a little bit nervous. Maybe I'm doing the mitzvah, maybe I'm learning Torah in order to receive the reward. And we know from Pirkei Don't be like servants who serve your master just because you want the, the, the salary, you want the prize. But serve God, Lishma. So the Gra apparently said, this year when I take my Esrog, I know for sure that I'm doing the mitzvah, l'shem mitzvah. If this story has any halachic validity, I don't know if it has any validity, if it happened at all, but if it, even if it did happen, if there's any halachic validity to this, then the Talmud Chacham, who gives away his share in learning Torah, actually has a special, unique significance that he's really going to learn Torah l'shma. I have not found anyone who says uh, specifically that it's a, a, a meritorious act on the part of the Tamit Chacham. What the Shulchan Aruch related to was actually the part of the person who's supporting Torah, and he has a special award. The Pasuk said, <laughs> The Pasuk in Bezot HaBracha, Zvulun You'll be happy. I'll try to explain that word in a minute. Yisachar in your tent. So I understand Yisachar in his tent is happy. He learns Torah. The words of Torah are straight, clear. They cause happiness. What does that mean? Zvulun should be happy when he goes to work? Interestingly enough, I found two interpretations of the Pasuk Smach Zvulun related to our issue. The Prisha, in his commentary in the tour, says, Yesh Lefaresh, the Ratanolomar, the Bamon Ensin Chavana, Kim Bishato Tsaato, Smach Zvulun when you have money, the joy, the pleasure of having money is when you spend it. The koneh ba'ad nafshol, the koneh ba'ad ma'ot avat nafshol. person uses money and buys what he desires, buys what he wants. Snach zvulun b'tseitecha, the prisha used the word b'tseitecha as when you spend the money. Zvulun is only happy when he spends the money. But yisachar ohalecha, yisachar has his simcha in the tent. 
as he's there inside the tent learning Torah, without spending, without expending what he has, without using what he has, the very fact that he's in the OL learns Torah. The Prisha assumes that the pleasure, the simcha that was mentioned in connection with Zvulun is not connection of work. It's not connection of making money. The connection of simcha is when you spend money. According to this interpretation, Zvulun is in effect uh, not on the same level as Yisachar. Yisachar who learns Torah has the simcha at all times. Zvulun, he has his simcha when he spends money. It should be pointed out that the bracha of Zvulun comes before Yisachar. The bracha both of Yosef and Yaakov, both of Yaakov and Moshe, puts Zvulun before Yisachar. Smach Zvulun b'seitecha, v'yisachar ba'alecha. The simcha of Zvulun actually precedes the simcha of Zvulun. Rav Hutner in Pachad Yitzchak explains that Zvulun and Yisachar actually share the simcha. They share the learning Torah and the simcha of learning Torah, which is a special bracha for the person that makes such an arrangement, the Yisachar Zvulun arrangement. If a person, for example, would buy tefillin for someone else, there's a person who needs a pair of tefillin, and he can't afford tefillin by himself. So the person would go out and pay for the tefillin. So the person who bought the tefillin is obviously involved in Gemilas Chasadim. And if we would chalk it up to his credit, he'd be listed in the book as getting credit for Gemilas Chasadim. But he would not get credit for, for tefillin. The person for whom he bought the tefillin, that's the person who gets the reward for buying tefillin. He would get a, a mitzvah of helping somebody else, somebody else put on tefillin. Yisachar is special. He learns Torah. But Zvulun, who enables him to learn Torah, has the simcha of being involved in the mitzvah of Tamil Torah as well. He is fulfilling and getting the reward of Talmud Torah through this special relationship. Therefore, in a very commendable form for the Zvulun and Yisachar, they both share the reward. Not that Zvulun or Yisachar is on a higher level. They simply share the reward for learning Torah. You have been listening to Harav Yamin Tabori in the weekly mitzvah for Hashad Vayichi. For today's Halakha Yomit, I wish to go back to the beginning of the Shulchan Aruch, where we were a few days ago. The two things down from the Onik sources that told, it's a good idea. It doesn't say it's a chiyuv, it's an obligation, but it's a good idea to say before davening and then he lists a number of pashiyot, the pash of the Akedah the Pasha of the Man, Aseret HaDivot, and Pasha HaKorbanot. The Beit Yosef uh, on the tour explains what the idea behind each of these uh, each of these different Pashiot is. The Akedah teaches one devotion to God, the Man teaches one dependence on God, 
says the boat is very important. And the Korbanot is because of the famous Medrash which says that in the times when there are no Korbanot, Mishama Parim Sfateinu, the recitation of the Sukim dealing with the Korbanot takes the place as though we had brought a Korban. This, these sources are 900 years to 1,000 years old. I think today less and less people actually say Korbanot and the other Pashyot which are found in the Sidur between Berkot HaShachar and Baruch She'amar. Probably because we tend to come to Shul late. And the first thing that you skip when you're late is Pashyot HaKorbanot, what we call Korbanot in general, which includes also uh, the Akedah. Uh, the meaning today, and it's not included even in the Sidun, is not to say Pashat Haman and not to say Asad HaDibot. Asad HaDibot has a halachic problem behind it. The Gemara in Yerushalmi says that there was a time when Asad HaDibot were recited daily as part of Kriyat Shema, and Chachamim uh, abolished the custom. Because they were afraid that people would think that only the Aseta Dibot, which was said by God, are true Torah, and that's why we, we recite it every day, but not the rest of the Torah. That abolition found in the Gemara is the basis for the custom not to show special respect for the Aseta Dibot. For instance, when you read Aseta Dibot, so the Minahag is to stand. And many of us can say you shouldn't stand, so either you say it, or you should stand for the beginning and the end, not just for those who came, so that people should not think that this is the real Torah, and not the rest. Based on that Gemara, even though the two was written way after the Gemara, and the two's explanation, the Yosef explains, because that's only the Tzibur, reciting it all together, or perhaps as part of Kriyat Shema, but just to recite it by yourself would be okay. But uh, later Postkim more or less said that we should not recite the Sadat Dibot, and the man also, for other reasons having to do with Kabbalistic background, is no longer said by anybody. But the Siddurim still include the Korbanot. Interestingly enough, the tour in that list, which is taken from, as I said, the Bahag and other Gaonic sources, doesn't mention Pashat HaTamid. By Pashat HaKorbanot, he means the Sukim in the beginning of Vayikra, in Pashat Vayikra and Tzav, dealing with Korban HaOla, Korban HaChatat, Korban HaShlamim, the different kinds of Korbanot, which at different times in your life you might have to bring or want to bring uh, including Korban Chatat. In Korban Chatat, there was a problem whether or not if you really weren't obligated to bring it because you hadn't done a sin which obligated you to bring the Chatat, should you be saying it's Pesukim? Apparently, many Pesukim thought we take the Medrash very seriously. It's really as though you brought a Korban. But if you're not Chayba Chatat, you can't bring one. One cannot volunteer to bring the Chatat. And since it wouldn't be a real Chatat, in fact, it would be in the Benit HaMitash, it would be prohibited. You're not allowed to bring Chulin Nazarak. You cannot bring a non-Korban as a Korban. So the other Korbanot one can volunteer to bring. The Chatat is impossible. So some person thought you shouldn't say Parashat HaChatat. Another person thought you could say it, but you shouldn't say afterwards the little Yehi Ratzon there that says let this be as though I really good. But the Korban HaTamid he doesn't mention. Only at the very end in, in the Paschim, the Shulchan Aruch, does it say that there's also a Minag there's also a minute to say Pashat uh, HaTamid. Why was Pashat HaTamid left out? The answer is very simple. The individual korbanot are individual either obligations or possibilities. You as an individual sometimes will bring a chatat if you have to and you can volunteer to bring a shlamim or an olam 
or a mincha, or a todah, different kobanot that a person could be. You could, instead of bringing it, you could say the pasha, and that's as though, in God's eyes, you had brought the korban. But korban tamid is not brought by individuals, brought by klal Yisrael. The Jewish people as a whole, every day, bring a tamid in the morning, and a tamid in the afternoon. For me to say the pasha, I think the original minute is quoted in the Baha'i and in the Torah, for me to say the pasha to tamid is meaningless. Who are you to be saying this? Am Yisrael has to say it. And therefore, it wasn't included in the minhag as defined by the two. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Yonah, the cousin of the Ramban, in Brachot, says the exact opposite. He doesn't mention the Pashiach, the different Kobanot. But he does say that reciting the Tamid in the morning is an obligation, not a piece of good advice, not Tov Lomar. He thinks it's an absolute obligation. He mentions this in a different context, in which we know that he really meant it, that it really is an obligation. The Gemara says that you're not allowed to say things which were written, things which were from the Torah, by heart. Just as we're not supposed to say, we're not supposed to write down, excuse me, we're not supposed to write down things which were meant to be by heart, Torah Shabbat, we're not supposed to write it down until that law is changed. The question of the Poskim is, well, we, we dive it in the morning, we say, etc., etc. The answer of the Rebbeinu Yonah is that those things which are obligatory, Obligatory recitations can be said by heart, and therefore you can say Kriyat Shema And then, Rebbeinu says, and that's why you can also say Korban Tamid, because Korban Tamid is also an obligation. Why is it an obligation? Because the same Medrash, the Medrash says, in the time when there are no Korbanot, recitation of the Pasha takes its place. What is Rebbeinu logic? Rebbeinu says, the individual Korbanot we mentioned before are not obligatory. You don't have to bring a Shlamim or an Olam. They're merely voluntary. But Korban Tamid is obligatory. True, not on you. It's obligatory for Amisa. But it's obligatory. And we are all Amisa. And therefore, ignoring the difference between Sibur and Yechid, community and individual, the Benyona comes to the conclusion that since bringing the Korban Tamid is an obligation for the Jewish people, therefore the Jewish people are obligated, when there is no Beit HaMikdash, to say the Pasha instead. This applies only to the Tamid, which is an obligation, and not to the voluntary Nidarim and Nidavot that a person that a person could be. Personally, and this is my own minag, uh, I do come late to Shul, and therefore I really have time to say all the covenant, but I've made it my habit in the last few years, after having learned to Benayona, to always say the Pasha of Kovana Tamid. In our Sidurim, after the Pashat Tamid, Sabbat Bnei Yisrael, Matal Ehmet Kobani Lachmi Ve'ishai, Ve'yach Nifuchi, there appears another Pasuk, V'shachat Oto Ayach Mizbeach Tzapon Elifnei Hashem, which is not from Pashat Tamid. In fact, the Dormagon was opposed to saying it, but this is already mentioned in the Rishonim, uh, based on a different Medrash, that says that that Pasuk that says that Kobanot were brought Tzapon Elifnei Hashem, the Tzapon Elifnei Hashem, on the north side of the altar, which is before God, the northern side of the altar is defined as being before God, when one recites that pasuk, God apparently remembers the before God, and he accepts our prayers, our coming before him to Darwin, as though we were standing before God. It's based on this medrash, that this pasuk has a special kind of remembrance for God, 
because of the Tzafon of the Tnei Hashem, it was added. In Old Sidurim, it was said after the Akedah. In our Sidurim, it's recited after Korban Atamid. My own personal minaga, and I think this is, in my opinion, a good idea, is to follow Rabbeinu Yonah and to make a special effort to say Korban Atamid every day, because in Rabbeinu Yonah's eyes, it's actually an obligation. And in some way, we are managing to fulfill, not in the best way, but still we are managing to fulfill the obligation of the Torah to bring a korban tamid every day in the service of God. Saying the other korbanot is, as the Torah said, merely a good idea. It's a suggestion. It's definitely a good suggestion. And if you can manage to say either the Pashiyot or Ezu Mokoman Shazvachim, the Mishnayot, which appear in the end, which also basically cover all possible korbanot, the Torah is absolutely right. It's a very good idea. But if any Yonah's idea is, in his own opinion, an obligation, and if I think one should make a greater effort to, to do so. I'm aware of the fact that most people today, my own, uh, definitely, after generation, it goes down and down. Uh, these parts of the tefillah are becoming not merely optional, but almost non-existent. And for instance, here in Alon Shvat, all the Minyanim begin from either Baruch Shema or Hodu. In other words, they begin after the Korbanot. The Minyan is called for seven, then at seven o'clock exactly, Chazan begins, Sukkot Zimrat allows you to say it by yourself, but I think the assumption is that very few people are actually saying those parts of the tefillah. Especially in these days, when we are hoping, and waiting, and sensing the imminent return of Abodata Korbanot I think it would be a good idea if we, once again, reconnected ourselves to the actual ring of Korbanot in the manner which is possible today, sort of a virtual Korban, and that is by saying the Pashiyot uh, which Rabbi Yonah recommended. That's all for today. Tomorrow's Shiur on Thursday will be in Parshat HaShavua and will be given by Harav David Silverberg. Until then, Koltov Migush Tzion. This is KMTT. Kimi Tzion Teitzei Torah Udvar Hashem Mi Yerushalayim.